Hello and welcome to the Veterinary Secrets Podcast. My name is Dr. Andrew Jones and this is episode 32. In today's episode, I'm going to discuss homeopathy, the science, the studies, what works, and what homeopathic remedies you can start with today. Can that yellow weedy plant, the dreaded dandelion, kill cancer? Then lastly, I'm going to discuss seven remedies that you can give if your dog or cat is not eating. Now Veterinary Secrets is on iTunes, just go to iTunes and search for Veterinary Secrets. We're also on Stitcher, you can download the Stitcher app and search for Veterinary Secrets. Definitely, I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. You can do so on iTunes or Stitcher. Now let's get right into today's podcast, Healing with Homeopathy. Homeopathy is a branch of holistic medicine and it involves the use of various plants, minerals, and other biological substances in very small doses with the goal to stimulate your pet's natural healing defenses. Homeopathy is based on the application of the law of similars, in which a homeopathic medicine, a homeopathic remedy, is used to create a reaction that is similar to a symptom of a particular disease. Sort of imagine it um, in somewhat of a way of how we think about vaccines, where we're injecting a portion of an antigen uh, to stimulate your body's immune response to be protective if it ever then you know, comes in contact and you have to fight off that virus. Fortunately, with homeopathy, it's very different in so many other ways and we're not, we're not dealing with all those side effects, etc., etc. Scientific studies. Well, in general, the scientific community is very skeptipo- skeptical of it. Um, and here's just a little bit from The Lancet. And, you know, they looked at a large study reviewing 186 trials. 119 of them, based on inclusion criteria, determined a small, and they claimed apparently positive effect of homeopathy although nothing conclusive. And their last statement is this, however, we found insufficient evidence from these studies that homeopathy is clearly efficacious for any single clinical condition. Hmm, great. And to date, I mean, that's still the prevailing wisdom. And my experience among other colleagues in veterinary practice is in general, they see no value in homeopathy. But then you can dig a little bit deeper, and let's just look at some of the stuff that's been published by the British Journal of Homeopathy. And here are the research evidence base for homeopathic systemic reviews of randomized controlled trials, RCTs of homeopathy. So up to the end of 2014, there have been 189 peer-reviewed papers with usable data that reported randomized controlled trials in homeopathy. Of these, 104 papers were placebo-controlled and were eligible for their detailed review program. 41% reported positive findings, 5% were negative, and 54% were non-conclusive. So clearly, I mean, there's a number of different studies that are, that are showing positive effects and positive benefits. And here are some of the specific conditions that they found positive effects for. Allergies and upper respiratory tract infections. Childhood diarrhea. Post-operative alias. So that's after you've had surgery and the intestinal tract stops moving. Uh, rheumatic disease. Seasonal allergic rhinitis, vertigo, influenza, insomnia, sinusitis, bronchitis, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, premenstrual syndrome. A little bit about the cost effectiveness of homeopathy. 70% of the over 6,000 follow-up patients treated at Bristol Homeopathic Hospital for a wide range of chronic chronic medical complaints reported positive health changes. Many patients who attended the Royal London Homeopathic Hospital were able to reduce or stop conventional medication following homeopathic treatment. So, you know, there's a number of different 
huge benefits and so many people worldwide are reporting those and seeing those you know it's just yet to make its way within the world of conventional and you know scientific treatment and literature so you being a involved and concerned pet owner I, I want to give you some specific things that you can leave with first of all in my opinion these are the five most important homeopathics that you should know about the first one is arnica that comes in a tablet formation it also comes in a variety of different combination creams there's one called Tromiel that I'm going to discuss. The next one is Arsenicum Album. The third one is called Rustox, primarily used for soft tissue injuries. The fourth one is called Parself, great when we're dealing with skin infections and abscesses. And the fifth one is called Belladonna, wonderful one if we're dealing with fevers uh, and if we're also trying to control some of the seizure disorders. So what are the easiest way for you to start using homeopathic remedies with your dogs or cats? The, the first big one is Arnica. Um, so anytime you're thinking pain, shock, any s- sudden injury, think Arnia. Arnica. The dose is 130C tablet for 10 to 20 pounds of body weight. In acute injury, if we're dealing with shock, I mean that, that can be given as frequently as every 30 minutes. The next one is the cream, and there's one called Tromiel. And in part, I'm discussing it and, and bringing this up because I myself am currently using Tromiel in an injury I have. And surprisingly, you know, before I even get into the, the discussion about Tromiel itself, I'm really finding it to be helpful. I mean, I started out conventionally. I had was dosing myself with ibuprofen, um, was at emergency a couple different times. I had a doctor script out cream-based, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug as well too, which... If anything, I think is delayed healing, and I've now gone on to this homeopathic tromiel, and it really is giving me like symptomatic relief. And right now, that's all I'm using topically. Um, so here's a paper on it: tromiel, an emerging option to non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs in the management of acute musculoskeletal injuries. And I'll give a link to it under when, under the description of of this podcast. I'll have it underneath the posting on the blog. Tromiel is a fixed combination of diluted plant and mineral extract. It's been available over-the-counter in Germany for over 60 years and in Austria for over 40 years and is currently available in approximately 50 countries. The combination currently used to treat acute musculoskeletal injuries such as sprains and traumatic injuries and as supportive therapy in pain and inflammation in the musculoskeletal system. It can be used in the form of tablets, drops, injection, solution, ointment, and gel. The ingredients of Trimil have been used for many years for therapeutic pr- purposes, such as for pain, that's belladonna, inflammation, echinacea, bruising, arnica montana, wound healing, calendula, atricaria, bleeding, achillea, edema, mercurius, and infections, parself. Based on such observations, Trimil was developed by the German physician, Dr. Hans Heinrich, in the 1930s. He combined botanical and mineral substances to produce this natural medicine to treat musculoskeletal injuries and inflammation. And this is a conclusion of the paper. While continued research and development is ongoing to broaden the clinical evidence of tromiel and acute musculoskeletal injury and to further establish its benefits, current information suggests that tromiel may be considered as an anti-inflammatory agent that is at least as effective and appears to be better tolerated than non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. And right now, that's my current experience okay the third so the next uh, homeopathic if you're going to consider any one to use that i really think you should have on your shelf is arsenicum 30c so anytime you're we're dealing with a pet that's vomiting especially has diarrhea especially we think it's food induced such as our dogs getting into food getting into a condition called garbage gut or garbage gastritis try them with some arsenicum 30c 
has worked very well with my own dogs, with, with clients' pets in the past. A similar dosing schedule, you're giving one 30C capsule per 10 to 20 pounds of body weight. You can be giving that every two to four hours, especially when you're dealing with an acute situation, doing that for one to two days. Then the last one is Haparasolf. So anytime we're thinking about a skin-related infection, an abscess, I really find that these infections respond so well to Haparasolf. Dosing it at a similar dosing level, you know, 130C capsule per 10 to 20 pounds of body weight, given every one to two hours in an acute situation. So the next part of today's today's podcast is about dandelions. Can dandelions kill cancer? In part, this came from a Global News report. So dandelion root tea championed by an elderly leukemia patient has sparked exciting cancer research at the University of Windsor. Windsor Regional Hospital Oncologist Dr. Carolyn Hamm admitted that there wasn't much she could do for her chronic myelomonosuitic leukemia patient after rounds of chemotherapy. The little old lady replied that she'd take care of it herself with some dandelion root tea and spread the word to another patient in the waiting room. To Dr. Ham's surprise, the patient's condition improved, and one patient is still in remission three years after after a steady diet of dandelion tea. These results inspire Dr. Ham to contact Dr. Sidian Pandey, a professor of biochemistry at the University of Windsor. I was very pessimistic, says Dr. Pandey. Two people didn't mean anything scientifically, but I was surprised to find that simple aqueous extract of this root had pretty good activity in inducing cell suicide in cancer cells. Cell suicide, also called apoptosis, is a process taking place in our body all the time. If cells are not needed or have damaged DNA, they effectively commit suicide. Cancer cells are the ones who evade this process. They become resistant to cell death explains Dr. Pandy. His research looks to see if dandelion root extract can remind the cancer cells to commit suicide without without killing off the healthy cells. So dandelion root. Dr. Pandy's research suggested the amount of extract obtained from boiling the tea was not sufficient, and so his team started increasing the efficiency of extraction with actual dandelion root obtained from farmers. We've increased the potency of the extract, he explained. We're excited about it because it is a very simple natural extract, so it's like you buying the best vegetable and cooking it basically. It's as simple as that because we're not interfering with any chemicals. Preliminary research thus far involved collecting leukemia blood cells from the disposable tissue of nine patients with their consent. It's called an ex vivo study and it took place in a culture dish with a dandelion extract of higher potency described by Dr. Pandy. All nine blood samples gave a good response that cancer cells committed suicide, says Dr. Pandy. In 48 hours, more than 70% were committing suicide. If those cultures were kept for longer, all of them will die. Thus is our prediction. Dr. Pandy donated his own cells as a healthy comparison and showed that there was no toxicity and very few cells dying from the healthy blood sample. He explains they've already studied dandelion extract in animals and found no apparent toxicity and no tissue malfunction. Human trials. These findings were so encouraging they now applied for clinical approval from Health Canada to begin trials in people which may take between six months to a year. Dr. Pandy says the University of Windsor trial will aim to include 24 patients. While dandelion extracts have been documented as treatments for leukemia and breast cancer in traditional Native American medicine and traditional Chinese medicine, Dr. Pandy is investigating the other potential areas the extract could work. So far, dandelion root extract has been shown to be active against pancreatic cancer cells, colon cancer cells, and melanoma in in cultures, not in patients. Compared to Taxol, this one is 100 times better in terms of toxicity, says Dr. Pandy. Taxol is terribly, terribly toxic to normal cells. It's not selective to cancer. That's why people have very bad immunity. They lose their immunity, lose hair, and all that. 
So I'll definitely keep you posted as those trials progress. Lastly, uh, I want to discuss seven remedies that you can give if your dog or cat is not eating. What do you do to give your get your pet to start eating again? Um, you know, this can be a decrease in appetite, or it can be that your dog or cat completely stops eating. If this has persisted, then your pet may be lethargic, weak, <clears throat> although you should not wait this long before clinical signs appearing. The causes are varied. They can include a sore tooth to an abscess to cancer. The important thing here is to get your dog or cat eating again before a 24-hour period of anorexia causes further illness. This is especially important for cats who can can develop a condition called fatty liver if they go for more than 48 hours without eating. So here are some specific suggestions for you to consider. First, seeing your veterinarian. If your pet is very lethargic, not eating or drinking, and becoming dehydrated, then see your veterinarian immediately. Ideally, you are treating your dog or cat for anorexia before they completely stopped eating or drinking. Your veterinarian may perform additional diagnostic tests, and this may lead to force-feeding your pet or even placing in some type of feeding tube. Offering something tasty. Canned food is more nutritionally dense and often more appealing. Your dog or cat will often respond more favorably to a higher protein, sweet-smelling canned food, especially fish-flavored. Warm it up and add flavor. Dogs and sick cats often have poor sense of smell. I really have had luck in the past getting to eat by warming up the canned food, then making it a little more tasty by adding a bit of garlic powder, or beef or chicken oxo cubes. Don't forget your vitamins. B vitamins are important for most of your pet's cellular functions, for the brain, heart muscles, most enzyme systems, and overall energy levels. These are given to most anorexic dogs and cats on IV at a veterinary clinic, and in some cases the B vitamins may stimulate your pet's appetite again. You can get pediatric B vitamins from a pharmacy for cats, get a B vitamin complex liquid and dose it similar to an equivalent sized child. Forest feed. You can purchase specific foods from your veterinarian which you can make into a can gruel, you know, such as Hill's AD diet. Use a syringe that you can squirt small amounts of the food into your pet's mouth. The average cat would consume about one can per day or about one can per 10 pounds if you're calculating a dog dose. In forest feeding, it's better to feed frequent small amounts. Catnip. Catnip can be used as an appetite stimulant. In these in these cases, you're just trying to get your dog or cat to start eating, regardless of the underlying cause. For cats, I have had good luck using catnip as a herb. I give it as prefer to give it as a tincture to anorexic cats. I have had them eating with it. Chamomile or peppermint. These are anti-vomiting herbs, which can be given as a tea. At the very least, this can rehydrate your dog or cat. You can make a herbal tea of either herb, giving one tablespoon per 10 pounds every four to six hours. And the last one is alfalfa, as a homeopathic. For general anorexia not linked to any underlying cause, look at homeopathic alfalfa. You can give one 30C tablet for 10 to 20 pounds of body weight four times daily. Well, thank you for listening to today's podcast. I'm Dr. Andrew Jones. If you have any suggestions for the podcast, feel free to send me an email. That's at podcast at veterinarysecrets.com. You can also make a suggestion and post something underneath on my blog at veterinarysecrets.com forward slash blog where I'm posting every single podcast. Once again, thanks for listening. If you have yet to subscribe, I encourage you to do so. You can do so on iTunes or Stitcher. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. This is Dr. Andrew Jones.